Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. All right. Welcome back to another episode of Rants and Gems. My name is Matt Garland, NMLS number 58700 better known as MG, the mortgage guy. And I appreciate you guys tuning in to the Ransom Jim show. My name is Kiana Watson, license number 517516. I love that. And I am a broker owner here in the Metro Atlanta no, area. Broker extraordinaire. I'm a broker extraordinaire in the well, Metro Atlanta on. area. Since we're talking extraordinaire, look, I got to point this out. Y'all see the fit right now? <laughs> yo, YouTube, y'all better enjoy this fit because, woo. You out here? I killing. said I, I wasn't playing. I you said was not playing. No, I got looks for days. I was you. You. You put me outside the first time. I saw a couple of reviews. I was like, oh man, what's wrong with her fit? Nothing wrong with the fit. <laughs> what was up with her makeup? Well, nothing wrong with the makeup. He just had me out to two in the morning, wanted to film the next day. No big deal. No big deal. We're gonna make it happen. But, <laughs> but look, no, we in it today. We in there today. Look, these last couple of episodes, Queen. I ain't gonna hold you up. Oh, I, please I, don't. I, I got to go see the tailor. Please don't. I'm going to be on this don't. stage with you. <laughs> <laughs> but look, we got a, a special episode for you guys, man. This one is going to be special. Get a pen and pad because we got my guy Doug Depp here. Doug is um, phenomenal. If you don't follow him on Instagram, please go ahead and follow him. Everybody in the audience, go to his Instagram page right now. Go follow him because this man is dropping gems every single day, all damn day long about how to build wealth with real estate. So, Doug. Appreciate you being here, my guy. Yeah, I just want to appreciate you guys both for having me out here. I'm, I'm excited just to share this information, get them ranting, as well as the gems. Let's go. Let's go. So Let's I got go. I got I got very important one very important question for you right now. When did you fall in love with real estate? I think I first fell in love with real estate back in, in third grade. So like my brother was incarcerated. So he was incarcerated a place called Greaterford, right? So every single Sunday, my parents would take me to Greaterford. We take this long journey to go see my brother. I'm talking about I was putting my birthday money on his books, right? So we would go through this, this guard station. I, in third grade, I would get patted down. I think I'd wait for one door to close just for another door to open and see my brother wearing that jumpsuit. It was like, dang, this is crazy. But my parents wanted to break up that traumatizing negative experience. So what they do? And these were every Sunday, right? We're going to see my brother. But every Sunday is also open houses. So my parents would take me to see open houses every single Sunday. I'm talking about we would see these great mansions along the way, right? They would have fresh cookies in the oven. 
we had these huge homes and I was just like, you know what? Something just got planted in my head that one day I want to own a house, right? I want to own multiple houses. So that kind of, I think, like piqued my interest. And then I went to this um, phenomenal uh, school back in middle school where it was like the super wealthy kids. I'm talking about getting limo service to, to, to school. I'm talking about getting Range Rovers when they turn 16. Talking about renting Allen Iverson for birthday parties. Like it was it was a whole other experience. But one thing that I realized was that the parents, you know, there were doctors, there's lawyers, there's assistant coaches of the Sixers and so forth, right? But what I realized was that they had that commonality of owning real estate. They had apartment buildings, they talk about beach houses, they talk about cabins, you know, in the Poconos, right? So that kind of started just piquing my interest. And then I started just reading different books like Rich Dad, Poor Dad, right? I started reading um, Richest Man in Babylon. That kind of just piqued my interest. And I think that's back when I was in third grade, that's when my parents planted that seed of just seeing open houses every single Sunday. It was great seeing my brother. However, I really enjoyed seeing those open houses. And I think that's what piqued my Damn, interest. That's a gem within the first five minutes of this whole episode Absolutely. is exposing your children. Mm, yeah. yep. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Exposing them because you don't know what that would turn out to. So that exposure at what you said, third grade, third grade, that exposure at third day, third grade has led you to now today over an eight figure real estate portfolio. Right. right. That's a Ooh. bar right there. Okay. That's a gem. We need to know. We need to know how the hell you how got did, how, did you, how did you get here? I mean, right, I know you right. started at least everybody knows you start with one property at a time. You read these yeah. books. How did you start implementing your strategy to build this portfolio? Yeah, so I think um, to kind of take a step back, right? So I went to University of Delaware. I have a finance degree. So I was, you know, locked in, uh, graduated school in three and a half years, right? But then we got, I got a job with Bank of America. So they had this leadership rotational program. They picked five of us out of all of University of Delaware. So the first day of work, we're going up the elevator with HR and the other four um, of my uh, students, classmates. Get off the elevator, and this lady carrying this box. She's in tears. I'm like, what's going on here? Like, oh, we just had layoffs. And this lady was probably about 55, 60 years old. I'm like, well, what happened? Like, she had a mortgage. She had kids in college. They said, oh, we're just making room for the new guys, right? So this is probably getting paid six figures, making room for us that's getting paid $50,000. So at that moment, I said, you know what? This corporate thing is not going to be for me. There's no way that I'm going to be able to hug this cubicle till I'm 67 and a half, right? So long story short, I knew that I, I wanted to be in a situation where I didn't have to rely on another man to put food on my table, right? I, I didn't want to rely on someone else that could just pull the plug at any moment, right? So then it kind of went back to real estate. I knew that real estate was going to be a way where I can get that cash flow coming in every 30 days, right? So shortly after school, I spent one year you know, living in an apartment with my ex-girlfriend at the time. But I said, you know what? I want to own a piece of real estate. I want to own a property. So immediately we rented for one year and I bought my first property. It was FHA. So I put down that three and a half percent down. And this was back when Obama was given the $8,000 tax oh, credit. Yeah, that was a great so, time. So, <laughs> good What? Listen, I love taking advantage of opportunities when they present themselves. A lot of times people are asleep. Oh, $8,000. Oh, it'll be around next year. Right. Yeah. But it was only a short window that $8,000 was around. it was around. for like two years or something right. like that. Yep. They had that tax credit. Exactly. Exactly. So I found this new construction townhome in Newark, Delaware, four bedroom, three and a half, actually four and a half bath um, townhome, right? So I was with my girlfriend at the time. We purchased the townhome. She said, hey, you know, I want to be on that mortgage with you. Sorry, well, how much money are you putting up? 
Oh, you're not putting up anything, but you want to be on the deed uh, on this property? <laughs> well, then. Hey, my, 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 Whoa, my slow down. Yeah, slow down, mama. Not so fast. <laughs> not so fast. I mean, we've been dating for three and a half years, but not so fast, right? So, so. <laughs> Y'all heard that, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, hey, listen. <laughs> right. Listen, wait right. a minute. Are we yeah. together or not? Right. <laughs> you get it. So we got this, we got this four bedroom um, townhome, right? So I wake up. I said, you know what? I don't want to pay the mortgage. Like, what are you talking about? You don't want to pay the mortgage. Mortgage is about thirteen hundred dollars. It's two hundred fifty thousand dollar house. I had to put down sixteen thousand. Got eight thousand back. So really, at eight thousand. So, so I don't want to pay this mortgage. And she's like, well, what do you mean you don't want to pay the mortgage? So I don't want to pay it. So she said, well, what's your idea? Like, what? How are we going to pay this mortgage? I'm going to rent these rooms out. There's three other rooms here. So no, you're tripping. You're tripping. You're crazy. You don't want a, a lady our age living in the property, which you know it's understandable, right? Yeah. Don't want a guy our age living in the property. Doesn't want a creepy old man living in this property either. And so my hands are literally tied behind my back. So I'm like, well, what am I supposed to do? So I went on Craigslist and I found this retired grandmother to live on the first floor. I had like a little suite with their own bathroom. So I retired. Got found that retired grandmother for seven hundred and fifty dollars. Wow. So I'm working at Bank of America as a senior financial analyst. And it's people like, yo, you're crazy. You're written out to someone else's grandmother. Like, this doesn't make any sense. <laughs> like, she's not your grandmother. Like, you just found it off Craigslist. Yeah. Like, you know, like, this guy's Wild times. Yeah. Wild Grandma times. Craigslist. Yeah, so, you know, my, you know my, my name was floating around at Bank of America. Like, this guy's written out to some grandma. <laughs> so the moment I got that $750 in my palm, that's when I knew, like, this is crazy. All I'm doing is just provide somebody with a, a roof over their head. She didn't even use the kitchen. She had like a little microwave with a little small refrigerator. She had the hot and ready's, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I got that $750. I'm like, dang, this is crazy. Like, this is, I started doing the math, 750 times 12. I'm like, man, that's over, you know, $8,000 a year just for having grandma in the basement. And you got all your money back. Get all my money back. Yeah. And my note's only $1,300. So she's paying $750. That's more than half of the note. So I'm like, all right. So I get another idea. So you know what? I got these two other rooms right across the hall. <laughs> so I told my uh, ex-girlfriend at the time, say, listen, we got to rent those other rooms out. So, oh, no, you're tripping. You're crazy. Like, there's no way I want to see strangers across the hall living in, the, in this property with us and so forth. I'm like, we just came out of college. Like, it's not that big of a deal having roommates. It's kind of the same thing. It's the same the exact dorm. thing. Yeah, we just extending college a little bit. Yeah. Y'all notice so, he keeps saying ex. <laughs> right. She, 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 if she's you don't ex, follow the vision. For a reason. <laughs> Y'all heard that. L listen. You said that like 10 times. Right, right, right. right. I, mean, I was just being clear. In. Yeah, I was she just being clear. She's kicking herself right now. <laughs> listen. All right. Listen. So, so she said, no, we're not renting those rooms out. You're absolutely crazy. So I woke up another morning. And I said, you know what? Do you want to be rich? Or do you want to be poor? She thought about it. She said, you know what? I'm okay being poor. What? I said, what you mean you're okay being poor? What kind of mindset poor? is that? She's like, you know, my dad, he worked his way up as a manager at McDonald's. You know, mom's a teacher. You know, we, we, we lived okay. You know, we got by. We had food on the table. I'm okay being poor. So I had to go to work. I said, immediately got dressed. I'm driving down 95. I said, okay, being poor, this is crazy. Like, my whole mental was just messed up that whole entire day. I'm pacing back and forth to the water cooler. I'm talking to people. I talk to my brother. I'm like, yo, she said she's okay being poor. My brother's like, ride that thing out, man. This guy got a good one. Like, what? what? <laughs> Bro, like, what's up? Yeah, right, right, right. I was like, I was like all right, we're not, call we're not calling you for any more advice. Nah, like, no advice from bro. I don't know no what type of time you on, bro. He's done. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so, so I get back, and I say, you know what? This relationship's not going to work. So I gave her a two-week notice. 
Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Oh, oh, hold on. Can we talk about that real quick? When, you, when, the, when you're the Lord of your land, uh-huh. you can actually do things like that. You can make decisions. And as he said, she, she's not on the deed. She wasn't on the notes. She didn't put no money in it. She, she get no money out. <laughs> she a tenant, basically. Yeah. So you gave a two-week notice. You know, right. So I gave her the two-week notice. There's a lot of crying involved. We've been together three and a half years and so forth. But I had to, I knew that I seen way too much. I'm talking about renting out Allen Iverson. I didn't even know that was a thing. You could rent out somebody that's in the playoffs. Yeah. Play, you know, all-star player. You just rent them out. So I said, I, w- I seen way too much. So what I did, I went back on Craigslist. I found two random guys in Las Vegas. This was during the whole nationalization scare. The economy was tanking. They were working at the Venetian at the time, but Delaware just opened up Delaware Park, a casino. So they had a, a little poker room. And these guys are poker dealers. So they moved in, and they were paying $650, $650 each. So once that two weeks had expired, she's walking down the steps with her you know, luggage and so forth, crying. These two guys are coming right up. With that six fifty six fifty, you got twelve hundred dollars walking into the building. Yo, thirteen hundred. Thirteen, right, right. Don't short me. Right, not one dollar, because he know he don't play. Right, Listen. you gotta go. So wait, wait. So you got your third? You got your six fifty coming in the door. You got yeah, two times. Thirteen hundred. Thirteen hundred coming up the door. You got yeah. shorty leaving. Leaving. And the same. And grandma's still in the basement chilling with her hot and ready. Gotta love it, y'all. Gotta yep. love it. We're Real not estate. done. We're not done. So, so, so Damn, she's, go, she's going this? out. Yeah, I'll, I'll wrap it up. But yeah, so she, um, so we're living there. I'm now and I'm single in the master, master bedroom, soaking tub, walk-in closet, stand-up shower, balcony, all that good stuff. I say, you know what? I'm 20, like four years old. I don't need any of this. So what do I do? Move my king bed down to my two-car garage. <laughs> right? Move the two, king bed down to the two-car garage. And we're in Delaware, so it got cold, got very hot. I figured out how to make my own air conditioner. Damn. I figured out how to get a sub-zero sleeping bag with the sleeping bag, talking about with the hood where you tighten up your eyes. Jeez. Hop in a cocoon, negative 20 degrees. How it's long did you do that for? Two and a half years. What? Two and a half years. Yeah. Okay, so you're, de- you're definitely the definition of stay down till you come up. Stay down till you come yeah. up. That's my motto to this day. Jeez, oh, man. Wow. Wait, two yeah. and a half years in yeah. your garage yeah. with the sleeping bag hoodie joint. Yeah, yeah. That's gangster, bro. Right. More prop, more props <laughs> to you on that one. And this is all while working at Bank of America as a senior financial analyst. Not because you know I did that not because I had to, but I knew that that's what I need. That's the mindset that I needed in order to get to the next level, right? In order to really know that I'm be committed to the process and being obsessed with the process. And I was obsessed with you know I turned off the TV, so I wasn't watching LeBron James you know play or work I should say. Like why would I show up, spend hours and hours and hours watching another man work? Right when I'm not where I need to be yet, so I'm talking about I'm tapping into the audiobooks, reading, educate myself, just tapping in 100%, being obsessed with the process, being obsessed with the work to the point where, you know, even when I go to work, I got to fish at my job just so I can spend that extra time studying real estate, making the calls, right, calling realtors and so forth. So what I did was that extra money because a lot of times people get the extra money, you know, immediately they get an extra 750. What are they gonna do? They're gonna go spend the extra 750. Right. That's not what I did. I was still eating rice, beans, broccoli every single day. Right. Every single day. So that way, all that extra money that I had. Money was piling up. I put it into the stock market. Then when it was time to buy a house, pulled that money out. I bought a house, bought a property. I started to accumulate properties in a place called Coatesville, Pennsylvania. And I started using the Section 8 program. So 
What's Section 8? So Section 8, for those that don't know, so the government will actually pay people that are low income, you know, basically at the poverty line. The government will pay these landlords, these third parties, to have these people live in their properties, right? So that government money is coming, I'm talking about during the government shutdown, during a recession, during a nationalization scare, during hail, sleet, snow, doesn't matter. That that money is coming in. So once I got tapped into that, I said, oh, man, this is crazy. So he's just saying I could just buy these buildings and, and slap these tenants in there, and they just paying like clockwork. So my first property, my first investment property after, after living this, in this home here was a place in Coatesville where I only had to put down 10% because originally I thought that I was going to have it as my secondary house. I put down the 10%, and then you know I changed my mind. Uh, we ended up renting that property out to a government Section 8 tenant. I paid $1,250. Property was only sixty thousand dollars, so ten percent of sixty thousand—that's six grand. Wow! Plus closing costs, we're talking about nine thousand, about ninety-five hundred dollars out of pocket, right? So you got twelve fifty coming in. My monthly note with the taxes, insurance, all that is right around five hundred dollars. So wow. now I'm getting seven hundred and fifty dollars of cash flow coming in every single month. So I'm like, man, like I no longer have to wait on my job to give me raises. I can get support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Raised by just continuing to buy these properties, right? Because there's been so many times where, especially working at Bank of America in that corporate setting, they're sitting there like, hey, hey, Doug, we appreciate you putting in 70 hours a, a week in work. However, the way with the company performance and so forth, you're just a meets meets. So they have this whole ranking system. So they hit you with the meets, meets, just, you know, meet expectations. But then they don't have a bonus for you, right? There's no increase. There's no bonus. There's no 2%, 3% raise. So I, so I use that as fuel and ammunition. Say, so you know what? Thank you for, you know, basically they shorted me 30 hours every single week that I didn't get paid for because, you know, I was on salary. Damn. 
So it shorted me that time. And I said, you know what? That's fine. I use that as ammunition. I use that as fuel. I said, I'm still going to be the best employee as possible, but I'm going to continue to buy these properties up because that's me getting my own raise. And that's also me getting my own freedom, right? Because after a while, once those 750 start adding up, the 600 start adding up, right? Then you start looking at yourself like, why am I still even in this nine to five, right? I'm more valuable out there providing people with homes, places to live, opposed to being hugged in that cubicle, looking at these big numbers and so forth as a financial analyst, not really adding much value to the world. So how important was it though, having that financial analyst job, and leveraging your W-2 right. to start your journey? Oh man, it was, it was incredible. It was incredible. Like anyone with a W-2 income coming in, you got to use your job as your biggest investor, right? So I didn't go, you know, dog and pony show raising money from all these people. Yeah. I said, you know what? I'm going to use this company as my number one employer and all that money coming in, I'm going to stack it up. I'm going to live way, way, way below my means. I'm talking about to the point where I was basically saving about 80% of my take-home pay. That's right? amazing. That's sacrifice. That's, yeah, a, sac that's a real sacrifice. Yeah. How many years did you, were you able to sustain that and keep that up? Yes, I mean, I worked at Bank of America for five years, this Japanese company in finance for two years, and another two years um, in sales for this uh, certainty, um, selling acoustical ceiling tiles. And then after that, you know, I was on my own. So nine years, W-2, and yep. in that nine years, you leveraged that W-2 to yep. build your portfolio. Exactly. Shit, I exactly. didn't drink to that one. <laughs> yeah, right. We got to drink to Doug and that sacrifice because this this man over here, oh, yeah, parental discretion is advised. I forgot to warn y'all about that, right? But we're drinking wine, too. But this is an amazing story so far, bro. Yeah. Like, yeah. and too many people want to fire their job too quick. Right. Just because right. they get a couple dollars coming in from a different source and they feel like, oh, I don't need my job no more. Right. Let me quit. And then they find themselves like in a, in a, between a rock and a hard place. Right. So I think it's amazing that, you know, you shared that with people because people yeah. really need to know, look, your job mm -hmm. is not the enemy. Yep. It's you, your enemy. Right. It's what you're That's doing true. with your time That's and what true. you're doing with that job yep. to, to, to grow. You know what I'm saying? Yep. And I think, I think it's very important too, that people use the job to learn how a business is ran too. Right. Yeah. So oftentimes we want to jump into entrepreneurship, jump into this, but they don't even know structure of business. They don't know the, that, you know, business starts at nine o'clock, ends at five, right? But having that structure, knowing how to put together emails, know how to look at P&Ls, profit and loss statements, right? Mm. Knowing how to, talk to actually them, run a me. business. Talk to them, dog. Right? Because oftentimes people are like, I just want to be entrepreneur. I just want to be chilling and just have that, that freedom. And your business could be failing because you don't have that structure. And even with college, I graduated college. Some people don't need college. Great. But I actually got that foundation, you know, from college and even the, you know, middle school, high school. And just having that that background, it helped me out a lot. But you necessarily don't need college and so forth. But you definitely take your job and and use that experience to grow. That's huge. That's yeah. major. That's major. Yeah. I, I really commend you on that. So after you stayed down, because you know we want to know the story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you stayed down till you came up. You worked these jobs. You acquired all your properties. When you jumped out into entrepreneurship, at what point did you say, "All right"? I've already owned all these properties. Now I'm ready to take it to the next level. When did you decide to, to step into general contracting? Yep, yep. So I so there's a there's an experience where it was right around the time I was getting started investing in Philadelphia, right? So I was watching somebody, they were doing these full gut renovations. And prior to that, I was basically buying properties that were turnkey, throw some uh, paint on the walls, rent them out very easily, put your 20% down, right? So at this time, I said, you know what? I want to get into like a full gut renovation. So I had a contractor or a guy sell me a property, a shell in Philadelphia for $25,000. Before you go there, yep, how yep. many properties did you own before you went into that full gut? 
Yes. I don't know. We probably might have been, what was it? Probably about like 20, 20 or so. 20 something properties. Yeah. So that means that he has some experience. Yes. You know, right. a lot of us want to jump out the window he wasn't and skip a fresh, steps. You wasn't a freshman. Right. I wasn't a freshman. You right? became a live yeah. man at that point. Right. He yeah, was a live yeah. man. He's a live man. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I like that. All right. Yep. Keep it going. So, so, so uh, I say, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and try something new. So, Bought this shell in Philadelphia. House was a wreck, complete wreck, disaster for $25,000. And I went against my, my morals, I guess, and I always like using leverage and, and so forth. But I had the cash sitting around, and the guy's like, you know what? If you have cash, let's go ahead and just do this deal cash. So we bought it for $25,000. Construction budget was $75,000. And I think the contractor basically gave me a, a budget just way too low because at the end of the day, it almost turned out to be new construction. So we got into this project. And they had to rip off the whole roof. They opened it up completely. This is a Philadelphia row home. So they opened up the roof, took the whole back of the house off, had to reframe it. So like the demo was going extremely fast. And I was like, oh man, they're rolling, they're rolling. And contract's like, yeah, man, they're rolling, they're rolling. Just, we got to keep the funds coming in. So that way we just blitz this project. It's going to be a quick in and out job. So next thing you know, as we're rolling along, $75,000 rolled right out of my, right out of my hands. Slip right through. Rolling, so, rolling, let's rolling. Let's talk right. about that. <laughs> yeah. Rolling, rolling, rolling. So we're talking about the demo, the framing. Next thing you know, 75000 was out of my hands because, you know, it's talking good. It sounded real good. But as soon as that money left my hands, then that's when Big Tank got in the way. So it was like Big Tank. It was like, yeah, you know, all the guys are down at uh, Miami at Big Tank having a big party down there. Okay. I, like, I said, who the heck is Big who Tank? Who is that? Yeah. And what's he got to do with my project? Yeah. Right? So next thing you know, the Pope was in town in Philly. I said, the Pope? What's he doing in North Philadelphia in the hood? Right? So we started getting all types of excuses, and we got these excuses for two years. Whoa. Wait a minute. Hold on. So you started a project. Right. Use your own $25,000 cash. Right. Plus $75,000. Plus $75,000. So we ended up to $100,000, and now you can't find your contractors? I mean, they're at Big Tank Week. <laughs> oh, man. Big, oh, no. They had Big Tank on the big boat right in Miami. <laughs> then, then the Pope came. So then, then the Pope came. The Pope popped up. I'm like, geez. So wait a minute. What stage of the project were they in? Was the, was uh, the back still out? The roof was still off? So they had, they had the framing done. And uh, basically, the demo was done and the framing was done. And the roof, I think the roof got done at this point as well. And then everything just came to a complete halt. So they got their the money and basically ran off. Basically, but the contractor, like, they misbudgeted. So that's what, you know, that's what he says. He's like, oh, way, way underbid the job. And he eventually got it done, right? It just took a little long. Two years. Two years. Two years. And I'm talking about, you know, I, so at that moment, I knew that I had to have control of this process. There is no way that I'm going to give somebody my hard-earned money, right, and then not have control of the process. But over that two years, I did learn something, a valuable lesson. I saw the whole, all the steps of construction take place in slow motion, oh, right? Man. In those two years, I'm watching, okay, you got the demo. Weeks, weeks go by. Got the framing, weeks, weeks go by. Got the electrical, weeks, months yeah. go by. So I started to see everything in slow motion. I'm still going to the property almost every other day. Like, yo, where are you guys at? What's going on? Yeah. Yep. So that, I think that was the major, the major key right there because I got to learn construction and then something went off. So these contracts are no smarter than me. I could put my own projects together. So that's when the valuable lesson of, you said, you know what? I have to be my own general contractor. So what was that process like? How did you become your own GC? Yep. So in Philadelphia, it's, it's very, actually pretty simple. 
So you got to get something called an OSHA 30, and that's 30 hours of uh, safety training, essentially. There's ways around it where you get the under 30 hours, but, you know, say 30 hours. Um, you got to get insurance for automobile. You have to get liability insurance, and insurance only costs you about $850, okay. right? You fill out the paperwork. You get a business license with the city, which is free. And now you're, and, you know, have a company set up, if you will, or you can do a sole proprietor, or you actually be a contractor in your name. So we got that paperwork set up. And it took less than a week to get that paperwork. Wow. So now I legally can go ahead and buy properties, fix them up myself, and then, you know, keep running the play. So you got your GC license. So yep. you're, you're ready to go. How did you find your, so, you, you know, that's step. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. One. For yeah. some people, they, they think the general contractor does the work. So right. you can, can you let them know what the general contractor does and then right. also tell them who else you had to hire to help you with your project? Yep, yep. So let's say you have a house, right, and um, the roof is leaking. So what do you do? You either ask a couple of people, hey, do you know a roofer? Or, you know, you go to um, different sites. There's Angie's List. There's HomeServe. There's different sites that you can actually tap into. Say, hey, I'm looking for a roofer in this area. You call a roofer, have them come out, give you some estimates, right? Same thing if you need plumbing done. Same thing if you need, you know, floors done, right? So basically, as a homeowner, you're kind of like managing your own project. But as a GC, what you, you know, to be a GC without being an uh, actual guy doing every single aspect of the project, you just learn the process, the steps. So let's say, for instance, a uh, row home in North Philadelphia or wherever you are, there might have to be some demolition taking place, some interior demo where you're either removing just the trash out the property or you're taking the, the old walls off and you know exposing the sheetrock. So you have the demo done, you have the roof done, right? Because you want to protect your investment, make sure the roof is good. So that way, as you're going to be fixing up that property, you want to make sure uh, no water damage takes place, right? The next thing you're going to do are your, your rough, it's called rough mechanicals. So like your electrical is going to get done. So you're running all your electrical wires, you're running your plumbing wires, you're running your HVAC so that your heating and cooling system, you're running all that in, right? Then after that gets inspected, you're going to do insulation, making sure that you, the walls are insulated from the outdoor elements, making sure that way the house is not just freezing cold or extremely hot. Run your insulation, you're going to do your sheetrock. The next thing you know, you're going to start doing your finishes, right? So you're going to start doing your finished plumbing. So you're putting your fixtures in, your electrical outlets, your lights, the LED lights and so forth, your HVAC units in, uh, plus the vents. Um, then you're going to start putting your flooring, your painting, and then you're basically walking down the steps of a project. But it's not very hard once you have the steps. But the key is you're going to need a team. So you could, like, for instance, you know, I've done basically every aspect of built, putting a house together. And I've even got in there and done every single thing uh, in the house. But what I realized was that I'm more valuable picking up properties and having other people put them together. Right. That's the way I can do instead of just one project. Over months and months and months, I could do five, six projects at a time. And all I'm doing is just going through my steps, calling the people that I need to call to get the job done. And I always recommend having three of everything. Okay. So, like, for instance, three roofers, uh, three demo guys, three electricians, three plumbers, three HVAC guys, 
three flooring guys, three framers, uh, three guys um, that do finish work. So the finished carpentry, installing the doors, the baseboards, the trim, right? So now what happens is we get estimates from these guys. So that way you're keeping everyone honest, keeping them though, know what the price point is. Another way for, especially for new people, uh, one way that you can actually tell like what things cost, there's something called uh, homeserve.com, right? Where you can actually go in, type in your, your zip code of where the property is located, right? Type in the zip code and then you can type in, hey, I'm getting electrical done, electric work done. And it'll tell you, okay, this is the cost. This is the going rate for, for that project. Here's the low estimate. Here's and that works estimate. nationwide? Nationwide, right? That's a gem. That's yep. a gem. That's a gem. What's, the website? What's, the, what's the website? Uh, it, is, uh, it is uh, homeserve.com. Homeserve.com, yep. y'all. Make sure y'all write that down. Put that in the comments if you watch yep. this on the video. Yep. Yep. So you got to have three of everything, yep. right? How do you hire these people? What are the questions are you asking? If yep. you're a newbie, how do yeah. you know you, you have the, the right three people? Yep. yep. Right. So, no, that's a great question. So uh, one thing I always recommend is, is join, join communities of other investors. So that's probably where you're going to get your best referrals from. Like, for instance, I have a community that we all uh, work with and they say, hey, I'm looking for a roofer. Who do you guys recommend? So it's always good to get recommendations. Uh, another great place is like Angie's List, where you're going in and say, hey, I need a roofer, electrician. You're looking at the ratings, looking at the customer reviews. You're searching on Google if they have any bad remarks and so forth. Um, so that's one way. And then another way that I that I like is I'll drive around, say where a lot of construction's going on. Yeah. So it's like I could build yeah. a whole team wherever I'm at in a matter of a half a day, right? So you're driving around, you're seeing construction taking place. A lot of times these guys, it's a dead giveaway. They have vans, they have, hey, I do heating and cooling, I do electric, I do framing, right? And all you gotta do is hop out and talk to them. Hey, you know, do you guys do framing? Are you guys looking for extra work? Right? How long you guys been doing this? Any way I can see your active construction project? And a lot of times, if they're right there on site, they're going to walk you through. Yeah, that's a gem right there. Yeah. We want, we want the receipts. We want the receipts. Don't tell me you're good. Show me you're good. Exactly. Show me. You know, anyone can get pictures and show you, oh, yeah, this is my framing job. And they could have just been the guy just walking through taking you pictures. You got that from Google. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So you want to get references as well. So references are huge. So at least three references. So you, now you're getting that, getting the receipts, making sure that they are who they say they are, right? And you can actually, you know, again, get their license number if they have a license. We'll make sure they're licensed and insured. Plug their information in, see what comes back. But biggest thing is getting the references, looking at their work, multiple projects, if they have active sites. And if you're going into one of their active sites, you might not know anything about plumbing, but you'll know if the job site looks clean, you'll know if, you know, things look in order. You can kind of tell something that's sloppy versus something that's not, right? With just, you know, just the naked eye. But it's very, very important to uh, do the vetting of these contractors and getting those referrals because they can make or break you, right? So oftentimes, yeah. So I hear you saying, basically, you're doing your due diligence. You're right. not rushing into a project. You're getting the project, but you're making sure that you hire the right people. Yeah. Uh, but right, I mean, of course, where you are now, you have a list. But right. when you think back to when you didn't have a list, and you had none of these references, yep. like tell us, cause everybody wants to, you know, we, like we said, we've seen some flips yeah. and we've seen some flops, right? right? Yeah. We've, you know, and, and we want to talk about that. So that way people can at least learn from a mistake or two that you've made yep. so they can take a step back and, t and walk into this process Great and not question. run. Yep. Yep. So, so like for instance, uh, one mistake was going with the cheapest guy. Like this guy was a handyman and I had a backed up sewer line. So right, the sewer line was backed up. I went to this handyman and said, hey, can you handle the backup sewer? Oh, yeah, no problem. I can take care of it. So we dug this, he dug this big hole about eight feet deep, tapped into the sewer line, 
you got it open, right? Now the tenants is using the bathroom, flushing toilets. So the whole backyard ended up being a being a whole pool, basically a cesspool of just raw sewage in the backyard. Oh. So I'm like, like, what's going on here? And he's like, oh, no, no, don't worry. We're going to take care of it. We're going to take care of it. We're going to take care of it. City condemned the house. I had to put my tenants up in a hotel for days and days and days and just to realize that, you know what, this is not the guy for the job. So the cost you thought you were saving, right. you wanted to pay it in the hotel. <laughs> right, all types I paid in the hotel, all type of foolishness. And I went to the city like, hey, listen, do you guys have any recommendations of a, a, a plumber that can actually take this, get this job done? And they said, we typically don't give recommendations, but for you, we'll give a recommendation. They gave a recommendation, paid the guy what he wanted, and he got the job done in less than 24 hours. Whereas this guy wow. kept giving me the whole runaround. So one of the things that you want to look out for is, does that contract, that subcontractor show up on time, right? Do they meet their deadlines? Because if the contract is coming in late and giving you start giving you excuses from the beginning, that's not the contractor for you, right? So be slow to hire, fast to fire, right? So if they're showing up late, not making deliverables, not making time frames, you, you have to let them go or find some alternatives uh, of a contractor. That's, that's a whole good. gem. Yeah. That's a big gem. That's a whole gem. So you started at property number 20. Yep. To become a JC. How many properties do you have right now? I don't even know. I, I, I like to count. <laughs> and the reason, the reason why I don't really like to count, because I, I, I always, I'm a basketball player, right? Uh-huh. So I go back to imagine if you're playing a game of basketball and after every single point, you're running to the scoreboard, like, oh, how many properties is that? How many properties is that? Because once you start counting, you start to get complacent, right? Because numbers start putting limits on people. So I just know I just got to keep going and I don't have enough. But. You becoming a GC and now managing your projects. How did that help you scale now? Oh, yeah. So one way is I get paid to be my own GC, right? So I'll kind of break that down for you. So let's say, for instance, we have a project. Like, for instance, one project that's on the top of my mind is this triplex right on Temple University's campus. Picked it up for uh, $26,500, right? Put together a construction budget for $325,000, Okay. And I used a hard money lender to do this project. So with the hard money lender, they want basically 10% uh, down for the purchase. And then they'll give you 90% of the rest of the purchase plus 100% of the construction. But remember, the construction is 325000 But with me being my own contractor, I'm going to be able to get the work done for about $175,000, right? And they're okay with giving that 325000 because that's what a contract would charge in a situation like this. Right. However, as we're going through that project, I'm going to be putting that extra in my pocket. So I don't have my calculator on, but 325 minus 175. Buck that's like, that's like 50. 150K. So right. 150K basically profit. Profit. To you, now you can go use that money to go get another project. Right. And that's right. because you're a general contractor. And that's because I'm a general contractor. OPM. Right. OPM, other people's money. So now we use those funds to continue to grow and, and pick up more assets, right? And it's all, all we're doing is, you know, I get the plans, send my team out there, and they put the play together while I'm collecting, and everyone's getting paid fair and handsomely, but it's just knowing how to price things out. And my lender, you know, works with me. Lender actually prefers that I am my own general contractor because their main goal is to get the bag back. Yeah, so if I'm bringing them that bag back, after every single project, right. they're going to keep rocking with Especially me. Anything in a timely want, Doug, fashion. Right. right, in a timely fashion. They're going to love you. Exactly, exactly. So when I, when I look at the numbers, right, as a general contract, let's say, for instance, let's say I'm building right around $50 a square foot. Most contracts in my market are charging about $85 a square foot, right? 
So I told my lender, every anytime I'm analyzing a deal, analyzing a project, I'm putting it in as $85 a square foot. So the numbers work at that $85 a square foot number, then I'm good to go because I know that I'm going to make about $35 a square foot on that project. So let's just break it down very simple. We got a thousand square foot property and $85 a square foot is, is what general contractors are charging. That's $85,000 for that project. However, I'm getting that project done for $50 a square foot. So that's $50,000. So for that one project, that's putting $35,000 in my, in my pocket just for a small single family property. So, so yeah. On that's, top that's of, a, on top of the cash flow, the cash flow on top of the cash flow. On top of when I take that property to the bank and do a cash out refi at 75%, I'm getting about 10 points back in my pocket sure. because I run my numbers at that 65% rule. Okay, Gosh. you got to talk about the 65% yeah. rule. This is a every, whole lot of games. Everybody right doesn't <laughs> know it. This is a whole lot. Right. I'm about to be but on GC now. I want to make sure that we're talking from <laughs> I don't know about y'all. No, no. We got to yeah. go back to episode two. We're talking from an investor standpoint. Right, right, right. right. A true investor standpoint This ain't here. FHA, guys. This, this, right. is, yeah, this yeah, ain't yeah. that. This ain't that. Give us, give this us some more. This ain't a two or three K. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so every time I analyze, the most, let's just take a step back. The most important thing is to analyze a deal correctly, right? Oftentimes, people are like, yo, I just want to get in the real estate. I just want to buy something, buy something. But do the numbers make sense? At the end of the day, it's down to the numbers. Do the numbers make sense? Does it cash flow? Are you buying a good deal? Most people don't even know if they have a good deal or a bad deal, right? They just know, I, oh, I own some piece of real estate. It could be negative cash flow, bad deal, right? So I, I take pride in being at using that 65% rule. So just to kind of break it down uh, for those that are following, let's think of a geometry, geometric equation, right? 0.65, you can write it down, 0.65 times ARV, the after repair value, equals purchase plus construction, right? I know it might seem like a foreign language right now to some, but 0.65 times the ARV equals purchase plus construction. So what we mean by that is, let's say we got a property worth $100,000, right? So 0.65 times $100,000, that's $65,000. So what that means is the purchase and the construction have to add up to be $65,000. So I need to be at 65% of the ARV. Correct. So let's say, for instance, if we know that our construction is $40,000, right? And we got this property worth $100,000. That means our purchase price cannot exceed $25,000, right? Because mm. 25 plus the 40 equals 65. So that's how I'm analyzing every single deal. And the reason why I analyze the deals that way, right, is because, okay, so we're all in that 65%. So now on the back end, once that project is done, is rented out, got the cash flow coming in every 30 days, then I refinance that property at 75% of that value. Mm. Taking 10% there you go. in your pocket. Right. And there'll be fees and so forth, but, you know, high yeah, level. Absolutely. Exactly. Yep. Yep. So now on that same property worth $100,000, I'll take on a mortgage at 75% of that, which is $75,000. Right, so that minus the sixty-five percent, the sixty-five thousand, I'll pay back the the uh, the original lender. And if they had, if I had to put some of my capital up, then I would get that capital back, and then so gems. Yep. So now Super you're just gems. able to just continue to recycle those funds over and over and over again. Because initially, when I was first buying properties, I was leaving twenty percent in those deals because they were basically ready to go, turnkey. 
Just had to throw some paint yeah, on it. You wanted income. Right. right. I wanted income. That was your goal. Just right. to get that and the return, job. Exactly. And the return was great. We're talking about, you know, 60, 70% return on my money, cash on cash return on my money. That's huge. However, once I started using this strategy, I'm like, it's an infinite return because I don't have any capital actually in these buildings of my own. Right. But even at refinancing at 75%, there's still 25% equity in these buildings. Right. Love this. That's- that's, that's Super major. gems. Yeah. Super gems. So how are you finding your deals? I think everybody is like, okay, now we kind of figured out, okay, we know the formula. We know we got to stay down till we come up. Right, right, right. But now, Very you important. know, from a realtor standpoint, you know, we, we know we know inventory is low. So how are you finding your deals right. and what tips and strategies can you give us especially to find some deals? Especially in this crazy market. Oh, yeah, that we're in yeah, right yeah. Because yeah. so. you're buying every day. Every single day. I'm not every day, right? No, every day. Every day I see you. Always be closing. ABC. ABC. So one of my advantages is that I wake up extremely early. So I'm up at 4.30 every single morning, right? So I'm up early. I'm looking at sites like Craigslist. You know, every day I'm looking at Craigslist and I have my alerts set. I put the word package in there, framing. I put the keywords like ARV, fixer upper. So I'm getting these emails every single day. I'm looking on Craigslist every day. I have a whole laundry list of wholesalers that I'm tapping into. So I message them, hey, I'm looking for a deal, looking for a deal. What do you guys have? What do you guys have, right? So they're constantly sending me deals and they know that I'm a serious buyer. And, they know, and I put it out there that, hey, I'm looking for deals. So anybody that has a deal, send them my way, right? So we're looking, using social media heavy, using Craigslist. We're tapping into realtors as well. Wholesalers uh, also? Wholesalers, yeah, for sure. Okay. Yep. Oh, definitely, definitely wholesalers. And, I, and I'm okay with wholesalers making money because at the end of the day, I'm doing my analysis. If I can make money on a deal and the wholesaler makes $10,000 off the deal, 30000 it doesn't matter as long as my numbers are ran correctly and that it works as a deal for me, right? That's a, that's a major gem. You know, he's yeah. keeping his eyes on his own paper. Right. I think we need to make sure yeah. we start doing that. Stop because counting other people's money. You count other right. people's money. And a lot of gang, a lot of times, especially in real estate, is the most pay to play business I have ever been Facts. in my life. Yep. So the fact that you even understand that, listen, everybody got to eat. Everybody. Everybody got to eat, baby. Yep. Including yeah. the bank. Yep. <laughs> we, <laughs> right. We want our money. Right, right. <laughs> so, so yeah, it's, um, and also, also it's just networking, right? So all the guys that do work for me, I let them know, hey, I'm looking for properties. I'll give you a $1,000 bonus if you bring a property and I close on or a $2,000 bonus. It doesn't matter because if they bring me a good deal, now I can make $30,000 as a GC plus a cash flow of $700 every single month uh, and own the property. I'm fine with that, right? So it's just networking, thinking outside the box. And of course, you could drive around and you can look at properties that are abandoned, find out who the owner is and, and get in contact with them. That's, that's, that's huge. I don't think y'all caught that. $30,000 as a GC plus, right? Plus. So you eat in every which way you can. Yeah, I, yeah. Got to. Got to. <laughs> every single way. Always every be single way. Yeah. Always be in. Yeah. yeah. I like that. <laughs> Outside of always yeah. be closing. Yeah. I, li- right, I like right. that. So, me, go, ahead, go ahead. I think my question is, because um, people, you know, understand like a GC. So, in my thoughts, a GC is like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm the head person in charge, but I hire everyone else to do the job and I have to oversee it. So, you know, but at the end of the day, insurance is responsibility. Who is responsible? I'm the head, but I hired a roofer, electrician, flooring person. You went in this person's house. You messed up the floors. Who do they come back to? Let's talk about the liabilities of being a GC and why they, it's very important for them to have the right team. Right, right, right. So you're talking about as if I'm general contract for other people or for my projects? Both. Okay. So 
for about a year, I did some GCing for other people. Like I did a church. I was able to profit about $50,000 off the church. You know, God bless. it was in there. God bless It was off an insurance job, insurance God job. God bless. Uh, we did a triplex, you know, significant amount of money off of there. Uh, but it's definitely important to have insurance. So being a general contractor, you do take on that liability. However, as you're hiring subcontractors, you want to make sure that they have their insurance as well. Right. So that way, if there's a plumbing issue, make sure that plumber has insurance. So if a plumbing issue happens, that their insurance would be uh, the ones that they cover that. And of course, as you're buying and fixing up these properties, you have to get builder's risk insurance. Uh, naturally, if you're using a hard money loan, builder's risk is going to require builder. Uh, the hard money loans are going to require a builder's risk insurance. Those insurance policies usually double what it is to just have a standard home ready to go. Yeah. So you as a GC, and that was good gems too. I actually have, I had to get that policy right now for a deal. But as a as a GC, with these rising costs of labor, I mean not labor, materials, excuse me, yeah. lumber, everything's up, right? How are you saving money and still making this type of profit? How are you doing this? How are you finding the deals? Because that's what we really want to know. Yeah, the people yeah. want to know. And because, I got a follow-up yeah. question because to that. that but I'm going to let you answer gotcha. that one. Yeah. prices is crazy right now. Yeah, bro. yeah. The, I mean, lumber price is going crazy. It's definitely tightening up, putting a constraint on margins for sure. Um, so one way is I'm calling lumber yards. I'm seeing what lumber they have for sale. But I'm even looking at the lumber that might not be in the best of shape. Like, for instance, I just caught a deal. I bought 300 pieces of a 2 by 4 by 10 for $5. Right. They're actually pretty straight, but they just didn't look the best. They're a little ugly. But I bought the whole skid and I said, hey, what else do you have? So he has uh, two more skid. He actually gave me a call. Two more skids, 300 out, 300 pieces each. So I'm going to buy the I'm going to buy everything. Right. So it's just calling around, asking for deals. And one of the big ways that I save money, you know, even you deal with GCs anywhere. I'm always asking the question, is that the best you can do? Right. So is Close that the, mouth don't get fed. Closed mouths don't get okay. fed. But when you ask that question, you got to make sure you pause after that. You don't say anything else. Right. So if you say, oh, is Ooh, that that's best negotiation one on one? I'm right. a hustler, baby. Listen, listen. I just want you to know. Yep. Yep. Okay. So, so, you know, times are tough. There's a lot of competition out there. But every everybody can bring the price down. Right. And you got to get those estimates. So by having those estimates, you're basically having those those uh folks competing against the job to get your business right but you also have to let them know you have to not just say hey you're not going to make a million dollars off of this one job right we're in this for the long haul you got to give everyone that works for you the vision like hey this this one project is not going to be it we're here we're going to do five projects a year maybe 10 projects a year right so once you rather have that consistent work where i'm bringing you a project every single month and you're getting paid handsomely opposed to just trying to make all your money and then i have to go find somebody else because you try to take my head off. But is it, so this just, um, just knowing how to play the game. Man, that's dope. Well, I, I got to ask a question. Yeah. I got to ask a question. Now, you guys know I'm the realtor on here, broker owner. So, we're, you know, a lot of my agents, a lot of other agents, and I'm speaking to you guys, even some consumers, they're in the middle of contract. And I just knew it wasn't going to happen to me, but it has happened to me twice. Builders in the middle of contract, some of them have it in their paperwork, so... They, they have a legal right, are raising prices, $30,000, $40,000, saying because the cost of lumber is so high. So, for example, you know, I have a deal, so I think it was like $600,000. They're like, I'm sorry, if you want us to continue with this deal, the new price now is $640,000 because the cost of lumber is so high. Now, we're researching, we see, we, they say lumber's up 250%, all this and all that. What the people really want to know is, is this BS? 
can they really they I know they can legally raise the price because again it's the contract but are they they are they exaggerating on the cost to build right now cuz you're building yeah, yep. let us know Look, say for instance um you know before the the lumber spiked right you can get a 2 by 4 by 10 for right around $5.40 right now depending on the market it's going for about 13.50 $14 for that same piece of lumber Wow. So if you multiply, say the average house, depending on the size and so forth, let's say, you know, thousand square foot uh, property might need 400 pieces of lumber. So you could do 400 times, you know, say five and a half dollars. Then you could do 400 times, you know, $14. That's a substantial increase. Oh, OK, then. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I'm just speaking for the people. Yeah. Oh, OK, then it, it sounds. Sound, sounds like the prices are up. Yeah. It's, it's up, up in the stock. It's up in the stock. <laughs> Let's yep, cheer yep, to yep. that. That's the thing. So, so, so right, so right now. Gotta get a chance to that. It's up in the stock. It's up in the stock. Again. <laughs> so so right now I'm talking to a a lumber a lumber yard out in uh, Maine where they actually have the actual wood and they'll cut the lumber that you need. So basically cutting out the middleman. I just got to figure out how to ship it down to where where I need. So I'm trying to get the. We got to talk off racket on that one. Truckers, yeah, yeah, yeah. truck gonna, drivers. Yeah, we're gonna have to talk about that one off racket. We we want the connects too. We can't tell y'all everything right, right, though. Right, right, <laughs> right, we can't right. blow it up. I'm sorry. Right. But right. that's gonna be all racket. So uh, what the hell was I gonna ask you? It was something I was gonna ask you. Oh, prices is up. Lumber is up. Yep. What do you think about the real estate market? Is it gonna crash? Hey, that's a great question. That's a great question. If I feel that people still need homes, I don't see it being a, like a crash back in 2008, 2010, where I was picking up a lot of foreclosures and so forth. I think it's going to be, correction. you know, with interest rate low, it might be some, it might be a correction. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. I don't have a crystal ball. I wish I did. And let me, well, let me piggyback off that yeah. because I know you're using a lot of for affordable housing. That is that is the proper yeah. term. The proper term outside of section eight, section eight is called affordable housing. You guys, all right. Um, I know you have you know you have a lot of housing homes with affordable housing, but if you have some homes that are not on that, how is the moratorium affecting you? Because we always talk about glorifying being the landlord, being the lord of your land. But what is happening to people that they have one or two properties and now mm -hmm. their their tenants are not paying rent and they're not in the position to pay their current mortgage at their house plus pay the mortgage at two mm -hmm. other homes without right. receiving a passive income. Yeah. Has has it affected you at all? And what advice do you have for people jumping out here, you know, to invest? Because yep. I, I believe in it, but I also believe you want to be smart. Yep, for sure, for sure. So for instance, we did have one tenant, she was back on her rent. So I basically gave her cash for keys. So I knew that that property is more valuable having her out the property than getting it back on, on the rent roll. So for instance, I'll give you this story. She was back on the rent. So I said, all right, let's work out a deal. I'll pay your moving expenses and I'll give you your security deposit back, but you just have to get out the house in 15 days. So she said, okay, no problem. She said, you'll pay my moving expenses? I said, yeah, I'll pay your moving expenses. And I always thought she was just gonna go like move to the other section of Philadelphia, right? She said, no, I'm coming down to Atlanta. I told her, hold on, hold on, wait a minute. Make sure you right. tell me her name. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we wanted her out, out of the property. So I adjusted the moving amount a little bit more, and she agreed to it. And I said, you'll get your cash, you know, right when the moving truck is there, fully loaded. And um, we got her out. 
So I just gave her the cash for keys, and then we got the be property creative, back on the basically. Right, you got to be creative. Yeah. You, you got tenants to. because yep. look, the moratorium but, is about to be over. Yeah, you know, at the end of the hopefully. month. I mean, hopefully, I mean, I mean, hopefully, it's such a sticky place. It's it's, it it's such a sticky thing. Yeah. It's it's like hopefully it's but over. But it needs to be over. It, it's it's such a sticky place. No, sticky it needs pl- to be over. Like, I, I, I'll no, say it this: needs to be over. Landlords are suffering. Landlords are suffering. I think that we're forgetting that landlords are people too, and they think that every landlord is they don't you know they don't have a six figure eight figure portfolio some people just got that one extra house and they can't afford to carry both so everybody is suffering so i was interested to hear that from your perspective this also happened to me recently um shout out to eyl got a a referral from eyl but the guy's out you know he's out in cali got a house here the issue with with um, cash for keys is the person he actually is leasing to no longer lives in the property. They sublease to another person. Mm, wow. And so now wow. you can't really track that person down. But like, you don't even know my real name. Damn. You don't have none of my information. So I don't need your cash. I'm staying here. Wow. And Squatters. here we are. Yeah, it's a tough situation. Waiting for a moratorium. I'm not trying to scare you guys about investing, but I, as an agent, as a realtor, I get so many calls from people that are in over their heads. You have to make smart decisions. Join groups. Make sure you you make smart decisions. You just can't. Investing is not something you just want to jump into head first because you could really hurt yourself. Absolutely. I agree. But the moratorium needs to be over. (laughs) <laughs> I agree. If we're looking out for landlords, we're looking out for people that have made the decision to invest in real estate and say, listen, I'm going to build generational wealth. It's not fair to hold them back because nobody's helping them. And everybody deserves some help, not just people yeah. that are renting. But what about the landlords that have also been misplaced from their displaced from their positions at their Absolutely. jobs, been demoted? And now they have to carry a more, deplete, two mortgages. They had to deplete savings. It's not right. You know, it's not right. It's not fair. At some point, we have to restart the world. I'm again. so glad MGB and the bad got a day, baby. Oh, they're going to get me in the comments. They're going to get me in the comments. But it's all, it, it is what it is. But like, look, you can't keep kicking it down the road. Right, it's just right. going to make it ugly and ugly and uglier. You know what I'm saying? So, like, at some point, you know, you got to you gotta let eviction start happening again. You right. got to let foreclosure. It's the cycle. It's part of real estate. Yeah, you know, I agree. unfortunately, it's the unfortunate yeah. part about real yeah. estate, and I don't wish nobody to be homeless, but you know, it is what it is, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know? Well, what I like about cool. you is I asked you up front, I said, Are you nationwide? Because a lot of people are like, Oh, that's only Atlanta, that's only New York, that's only Delaware, yeah. and you're like, No, I'm, I'm pretty much everywhere. So let's yeah. talk to people about how your principles apply to pretty much every state because you, I know you have a big awesome amazing investment group i'll follow you i'll be like oh man my head is spinning (laughs) one more job for kiana but go ahead though tell people about how this works nationwide and how you're able to assist other people in building generational wealth no for sure so like for instance i you know i have a mentorship where i'm training other people just you know that my principles and how to go about getting their next investment property or even their first investment property or even just scaling up right so there's people in hawaii there's texas there's california there's you know maine all throughout the country investing in real estate. But what it comes down to is just being able to have that experience of how to analyze these deals appropriately, right? How to find these deals. And there's a deal everywhere, right? Even when people say, oh, the prices are too high, right? Just go outside of that radius and find find a deal, right? So you just have to be willing to put in the work, right? So the information is out there. And I'm just happy that people are able to take the information and execute on the information. That's why the program is called the Acquisition and Execution. Say it again. I love it's called that. the Acquisition and Execution Program. I love that. Yep. 
Execution, most importantly. That's, That's the most, the most important. important. I think, I think EYL says, what does it say? Uh, education on us, execution on you. That's a fact. Yeah. That oh, is that, a God That sounds like Rashad. Right. That, <laughs> Yeah, that's I know it's him. No, that's yeah. actually a Troy bar. It's a Troy. That's oh, a, that's, that's a Troy, a Troy bar. bar. Let me give yeah. Troy his flowers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yep, a Troy yep, bar. Sure. That, but it's the truth, though. We yeah. can educate you. We can lead the horse to water. You can't make him drink. Right. You know, you can listen to and watch Rants and Gems. You can come to your programs. Yeah. But you got to go execute at the end of the day. You got to get right. the hell off the couch, get off the phone, get off the YouTube, get off of whatever you're doing, and yeah. actually go out there and put some action in place and execute because experience is always going to be your best teacher. Absolutely. At the end of the day. So, look. Um, we're about to wrap this thing up, man. This has been a phenomenal conversation so far. But let's end it with our. Um, we we si- got to. We have some questions. We got to ask. We got to answer okay. some questions. Before we wrap up, we got a question. We got to answer some questions. Okay. I said we need two people. <laughs> I'm looking. Where y'all at? <laughs> All, right, All right, there right. we go. So there we go. Peace, peace, brother. Uh, it's Arthur Andrews again from Connecticut. Um, question I have for you. Uh, we're talking about the lumber prices and them being so high. I actually have a friend down in Florida who just did a new construction and he used uh, like metal framing. Um, and so I just wanted to get your thoughts on that. Um, one of the question. things that he said was that, you know, given that lumber is so high now, um, the price differential between the two isn't as different, uh, isn't as large, obviously. Um, however, that it lasts longer. That being said, I'm not a contractor, I'm not a builder. I just wanted to get your thoughts on on the viability of that. And if you think that's a, a, a viable option for those who, who uh, are looking for other alter- other alternatives to lumber because even though the lumber prices, even though it's still a little cheaper, sometimes you can't even get the lumber that you want, even if you're willing to pay up. You know, so I just want to get your thoughts on that. Yeah, for sure. So uh, yeah, with the with steel framing uh, or metal framing, you're going to be able to save a couple dollars, and a couple dollars definitely adds up as you're getting you know do your stud count. Um, and typically, with the steel, it's for the non-structural or the partition walls. However, you have to do a lot of structural framing. Wood's going to be your best bet for, for residential, unless you start getting into the actual steel like structure. And that price is very, very expensive when compared to a two by six or a two by four Thank structural. You. Yep. Great question. That's a wonderful question. Yeah, great question. We got one more question. Hey, um, my name is Vincent Grimes. I currently have one rental property, but I want to expand and get more. It's a Section 8 property here in Georgia. And I was thinking about, I own the property free and clear. And I was thinking about doing a HELOC or get a uh, FHA 203K. um, So I can start looking at trying to do like tax liens. Um, Try to to find some tax liens I can get and expand it that way. What are your thoughts on that? Right, so the 203K, that's gonna be for your, for your uh, primary residence, right? So you're not gonna use the 203K for say an investment property unless you're living in, in one of the units. Exactly, Correct. that's okay. why I was gonna, yeah. we're gonna correct you on that. Like, Correct. no, you gotta live Correct. there. But if, but if you own a property free and clear, uh, one of the suggestions that I would do is um, I would basically refinance that property, uh, pull some equity out, then use that equity, of course, to invest in. So you might take on an interest rate of, say, 4.5%. Right now, actually, they're as low as, even lower than 4% for invest mm. for uh, investment loans, where there's basically no docs, no tax returns. There's looking at the rents that are coming in, looking at the value of the property, and they'll go up to about 75%. Some will go up to 80%, but I typically go up to 75%. Okay. So you can tap into those funds. And then if you feel confident that you can make more than 4.5%, 
or even you know greater, then I would go ahead and put that into to investments and, and learn the strategies and so forth. Because you can really take those funds from that property and you can just keep recycling those recycling those funds over and over again. Every time you do full uh, recycle, you're basically spitting out another asset that's cash flowing. You get a little more money on top and you keep just running that. Uh, that money through the same cycle, basically okay. just washing the money essentially. Yeah, cool. definitely do so. I just want to tell you, tax sales in Georgia are a little different. You got to hold the property for twelve months, for thirteen months. Okay, okay. twelve months and plus one month. Okay. Um, so you can't really do anything with it. So it's an investment, and if you can't do anything with it, you also get a high percentage if they end up paying the taxes. I purchased tax sales, the home that the new construction project I just finished, and we just so we started off as a tax sale. We bought it because it was everything was connected. It was like an old trailer, but we knew we didn't have to do plumbing. We didn't have to do all the roughing. So I say that to say, def, you got to go with cash. So get your HELOC, get your cash out, attend some tax sales in the places that make sense for you. Right. And I'm going to say that's going to be a little further outside of the city of Atlanta. Definitely outside of Fulton County. Yeah, yeah, uh, absolutely. <laughs> Get I, out of that Fulton County fast because <laughs> they are, um, it is just way too much competition. But I highly recommend it. Get you at least two, three, you know, just to test it out. You can't lose. Right. Either, you, either you're going to get your money back plus 20% or you're going to be able to keep the property either or you can't lose and you'll get, get a feel for what it feels like to get out here and get a good deal and it's just a good way to get started um I, my first tax property was five thousand okay. dollars and uh, for me that was like but i'm not going to say buying a bag that i right. but i am out of that i am out of that mindset and it, it, it felt really good so to see it go from being that bag a bag money to an entire house right just change my keep my mindset continues to shift so at least start there Shit, cool. Chanel to tax sales, huh? Yes, baby, shifting no. Chanel to tax sales. <laughs> I like that. Bags I like the that. <laughs> Bags the Brits. All right, so we're gonna wrap this episode up. Um, let's let's hit them with the final question. All right, so our final question for you is: We gotta give the people a rant about your industry, and you gotta give them a gem. You done dropped so many gems, but I think you got Tons one more for us. But you got you, you gotta give but us you got a rant headache. too. We I, hear you a rant. give us no headache, and I know it's headache. And it gotta be. Give us a rant. Uh, let's see a rant, 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 rant. I want to be a real estate investor, but without putting in the work. Mm. Talk on, talk so, on it, please. Talk so, heavy Jesus. on it. We just talked about that in our please. last episode. Right, right. So, so oftentimes people see the freedom, they see the mobility, but they don't see the work that goes, you know, into it. Right. So it's, you know, finding the property, putting the property, the project together, coordinating with the team. People see, you know, oh, it's just passive income but you have to be willing to put the work or the people that just want to invest or become, you know, in real estate, want to buy properties without taking time to actually learn the steps to invest, right? Without, you know, people want to be compensated before education. Uh -huh. So I always say education before compensation. So, hey, I just want to get in real estate. I got this money, I got $10,000, $20,000. What can I do? I want to go ahead and get in real estate. Slow down. Let's get some education first and the compensation will come. I love that. All I right. love that. What's I the love gym? it. That was kind of a combination. That was a combination. That was a combo. That was a rent. That was a two piece. <laughs> yeah. The the rent was. Yeah. Woo. 
Educate I, yourself first. Yeah. The gym is the compensation comes after. Right. Love it. Right. Yeah. I think, I mean, you, yeah. You, I like it. that was a two piece. Well, right. Yeah. In my Rashad a, voice, there you have it. There you have it. There you have it. Look, this has been a phenomenal episode. How can they follow you, Doug? Tell them everything that yep. they need to know to get in contact with yep. you. Yep. So you can follow me at uh, Doug Dept. I'll spell the last name. A lot of people butcher it. Uh, it's, it's like the abbreviation for a department with the E at the end. So it's D E P, like Peter. T like Tom, E like Eddie. So Doug, D-O-U-G, Dept. Um, you could also go to Execute with Doug if you want to tap into my team to kind of talk about different uh, programs that I have available for you if you're looking to further your real estate career to see if you're a good fit or if that we're a good fit. But really it just comes down to just executing and just making up your mind to put in the work so that we can have that freedom of mobility if that's what you choose. I love it. I love the way he said that. If that's what you choose, like you didn't, like you don't want to choose to be free. <laughs> yeah, but people no, are choosing. Though. Some people, some they, people they, are they choosing. Hey, some people they want to hug the cubicle till they're sixty-seven and a half. All and if it's free what? is for me, and, it, and it's okay. They don't want to pay for their education, but definitely you got to pay to play. You got to pay. Education to play. is very important, and execution is even more important. And having a good plan and a good strategy, I can tell you just from experience, I'd much rather be a part of a group and pay some money than to pay the money out of my own pockets and still lose when it comes to real estate investing because That's it is fact. not easy. And having someone kind of show you the ropes is going to always be easier for you because the entire reason we have the Rants and Gym show is to make it easy for people that are coming behind us. Like we want to make sure it's going to be easier for you because it was harder for us. Facts. So everybody we're bringing on this stage, everyone we're bringing onto the show, we're giving you information to make it easier for you so that way you can glide into generational wealth and not stumble and fumble. <laughs> and not stumble and fumble. Well, look, this was a dope episode. Doug, we appreciate you coming on board, appreciate man. You, a lot man. of gems right here. Um, so we're going to end this one right here, man. Again, like, comment, share, subscribe. Listen to the damn thing on audio, please. Let's make Rants and Gems the number one real estate show in the world. All right. My name is Matt Garland. NMLS number 58700, better known as MG the Mortgage Guy. And my name is Kiana Watson, real estate broker extraordinaire. Extraordinaire. In the Metro Atlanta area, license number 317576. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Rants and Jim Show. Peace. Oh, God. 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 Oh,
Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.